0: so nice to catch up with you after what 20 years as you said before um yeah
1: if not more if not more
0: i remember seeing you um i think we were playing with you somewhere and it was indoors and i remember you had a a pink um feather bow around your microphone and i remember thinking oh god you look so gorgeous (laughs) why can't i look that gorgeous oh please (laughs) stop (laughs) fishing for compliments (laughs) Hello and welcome to another episode of Skin Tings. It's me, Skin. If you like hearing two musicians pick each other's brains, this is the podcast for you. Thanks to everyone who has liked and subscribed to the podcast or left a nice review. There's still time to do it, you know, um, if you haven't already. Please do. Thank you. While you do, let me introduce you to my next guest on Skin Stings. Back in November 2020, I had the mighty pleasure of catching up and nearly spilling the tea with the incomparable early singer and writer for rock band Garbage. I chatted with one of the world's greatest redheads, Shelley Manson. time there weren't that many female fronted bands were they they were like i've come to mind there was sleeper no doubt elastica echo belly you know a few bands but i felt like i mean of course whole as well and i kind of feel like it was the second wave this kind of foundation of female fronted bands that were Um, I guess what what happened afterwards, you know, I think that in many ways you especially were like this this real influence on what came afterwards. I mean, looking back now, how do you feel about that time period? Did you enjoy it at the time? Was it all a bit too mad? Did you have a sense of what you were doing or you were just kind of just going forward full speed?
1: I had absolutely no clue about what I was doing. And I mean, I'm sure much like you, yeah, it was just full on, and really surprising because it was a really unusual time. You know, you you mentioned all these female fronted bands that was so unusual. You know, yeah. I don't think it really happened before in the history of music where alternative women with an alternative perspective were given attention on mass like that.
0: Mm. I mean, I guess it. I think for us, it was kind of like. For me, particularly, it was, I guess, the first time we were allowed to front bands and we were all different. We were all doing something different. We all had different message, um, different clothes, different style. And that was kind of allowed. Whereas I think definitely um, there was a sense of, you know, we're, we're judged on our beauty and the clothes we're wearing first. But then we could also talk about whatever we wanted to within our songs. Right.
1: Well, the way I see it, the way I think of it, whether it's accurate or not because you know time messes with your with your you know with truth and and a fact and history and so on and so forth, but my feeling was that it was a time when as you said, we were all so different, we all had our different style of doing it, but everybody was sort of in disagreement with these sort of weird traditional uh, tropes that women were supposed to adhere to. And I think that's what was so exciting about the 90s for women in particular, was it was a a period of time where women who were not, uh, you know, playing the the nice, smiling, pretty, um, pleasing male gaze type of role were being given an opportunity, were being given airspace, were given magazine covers and so on and so forth. I don't think it's happened since
0: mm, I know what you mean. I mean I, I was I was very much aware for obvious reasons that I was black, but that seemed to be a much bigger deal than being female and, and also being queer. And I think that definitely we were kind of standing on the shoulders of, you know, Blondie and Chrissy Hind and lots of other amazing female artists. Um I mean, that's one of the things i love about you i mean you for me are someone who is constantly supporting your sisters um i mean i remember that male bands just seemed to get away with they have a bit of a comparison but i remember like there was a comparison with female bands like that we was it was like against each other you know i was kind of digging the stories and trying to get to slag off other artists um and comparing like i was always getting compared to to grace jones in that way i mean. But you always seem to kind of like avoid that and have this fearlessness about womanhood. Um, I mean, wh- where did you get that from? Did you, was that from your upbringing, your parents, or that's just part of your personality?
1: Well, look, you're covering ground so fast, I can't keep up. I feel like, you know, <laughs> first of all, I mean, you know, I, I wrote about this on, on my Instagram feed a, a few months ago and, and I, I, I was really sincere about it. It's only really now in retrospect that I realise what you were personally up against, you know, because mm-hmm. it never really occurred to me, you know, that you um, were the only that I can think of, the only black, you know, female rocker of your generation. The only one. And mm. um, yeah, you came on the back of someone like Grace Jones, or you came on the back of you know Pauline Black, and you know there's certainly some yeah. remarkable women who came before you, who were British black singers, you know. But I feel like I that missed m- me completely. I was so busy immersed in you know just trying to get through a day, and I was aware that Skunk and Nancy were pitted against garbage, you know, because we were too fierce women you know and of course we were tr- I felt like the establishment was trying to encourage us to believe there was room for only one of us and in yeah. fact as you so rightly pointed out there were so many bands and there was plenty of space for all of us and each woman that you have remarked on earlier um, all made their own mark in different ways and um but you know I, I really admire your ability to transcend so much you know it's it's crazy Um, it's
0: i mean you know i have to be honest it didn't really occur to me that much at the time (laughs) you know i'm sure um, it didn't you were young yeah we were kids and you know i mean I, i i i just saw garbage what i liked about garbage was that stylistically and musically you were doing something very different than everybody else. I mean we were kind of like rock bands but you had this kind of goth and you know the Butch Vig production going on. I mean I guess I'm asking what does how does songwriting work within Garbage?
1: Well you know that's a really good question and of course it has evolved over the years and um, but you know I write I write melodies, I write parts, I have production ideas but you know again when you're a young woman who's in a band with a famous male producer yeah you are it is assumed that you're a dummy and you just do everything that you're told to do and uh, uh, that probably was one of the biggest weights on my shoulders throughout my you know throughout the 90s Um, that was no easy uh, weight to carry yeah
0: I, I feel you in that respect I mean I I guess for me, I started my band, so it's there was a different kind of energy. But I do think that when you're writing with boys, it's difficult to, you know, it's been a constant battle
1: <laughs> to, get, to get ideas through sometimes. Um, well, yeah, I mean, when you're the youngest one of that group and you are the only one of your particular gender and so on and so forth, you know, it it's complicated. I mean, I I I don't need to tell you. I mean, you you fought the same battles and more. So, um. But like you say, when you're young, you're not really aware of what's going on because you don't really have a full understanding or grasp of the playing field yet. Yeah. And it's only really for me in my fifties that I've started to to look back and see what the playing field was like. And I'm kind of amazed that I circumvented it all. <laughs> you know, yeah. but I wasn't I wasn't sure what I was doing. It was not like I did it, you know, with premeditation. I did it just out of instinct. I mean, I, I think instinct is this
0: really interesting thing that we have because, um, I and I, you know, people say to us, you know, you know, just just. Do this and just go with your instincts. I think that something takes a long time to learn how instinct works and how to get it involved and how to listen to it and develop it. You know, it's not a quick thing, is it?
1: See, I don't know about that. I always was brought up, I was brought up by a Scottish mum who had this. She was always talking about her Highland instinct. Now, whether that's a whole load of rubbish or not is irrelevant. (laughs) It was the fact was that she always put a lot of weight into the idea of you must you must just follow the feeling inside as opposed to being doing what people are telling you to do or trying to suggest you do or try to manipulate you into doing like you just have to like listen absolutely to your gut. And I always did that, and I always trusted my gut. Like I didn't sit there and double think myself very often. For the most yeah. part, I was pretty clear about what felt comfortable for me, and that guided me really well.
0: I mean, strangely, that was actually my next question. What was Baby Manson like? What were you like growing up? Did you? <laughs> did you? I mean, I'm I'm intrigued. I'm just like imagining you running along the highlands or something. <laughs>
1: no, no. no? No, I grew up in a city and um, I was a really sweet little girl. And then something happened. I don't know what happened, but adolescence kicked in and I became a bit of an emotional like hurricane and I was pretty difficult to deal with a lot of the time. But looking back now, I think it's just because I was hypersensitive and, you know, hypersensitivity causes a lot of problems, not just for yourself, but for the people around you.
0: Yeah. In what way were you hypersensitive?
1: Like, well, you know, um, I was always aware of of the like the inference of of emotions in in other people and intentions and un, words unspoken and um, hidden
0: so narratives.
1: You have, you have the empathy gene. I yeah, unfortunately, yeah, I do. But it's also like a superpower, much like all. Right, artists. I think so. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's why the the lyrics and the stories within the lyrics come right.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I like stories. I I grew up really... I grew up with great teachers, English teachers. I was really into the written word. I always have been. I'm still really into literature and uh, it excites me. The words excite me. Listen, you have lots of
0: talents, I know. You've been doing lots of different things. Songwriter, fashion icon, podcast queen. Um... I did not know that you did the. You were the. You did had a massive part in the Terminator, the Sarah, (laughs) the Sarah Connor Chronicles. I mean, what was that like? Was that mad? How how did that all happen? I'm fascinated. I love
1: that. It was absolutely insane. I don't. I still can't quite believe that happened to me, Um, because it was the quintessential Hollywood experience. You know, we filmed on the Warner Brothers lot and i had my own parking spot with my name on it and my di- own director's chair with my name on it and <laughs> it was extraordinary and i got to work with lena hedi you know the great cersei from game of thrones mm. and um it was it was a profoundly thrilling experience um not one necessarily that i would rush to repeat um i found it v- immensely stressful but it is, yeah. um yeah but um I loved getting the opportunity to do it, and I worked with really incredible people and it It happened at a time in my life when I really needed something new to happen and it and it really took me somewhere completely different in my life.
0: I mean, I imagine it was a huge amount of work, especially to, coming from uh, music into acting. I mean, I've done, of, <laughs> I've done a bit of it myself, and I was
1: just like, man, this is so much more work it's than It's so, so much more work, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so true. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe how much work it was. I couldn't believe yeah. the hours. I couldn't believe how poorly treated actors are, you know? Yeah, yeah. So much of the time they get pushed around and... And you get scripts dumped in your lap twenty minutes before you're supposed to be filming, and I, I nearly had a nervous breakdown. I was just yeah. like, I just want to go back and sing and like take it easy. <laughs>
0: yeah, it, it definitely was. I mean, i have done a couple of films myself, and I was like, you know, you, you we take it very seriously because we take everything we do seriously. But man, I was like, oof, oof. Um, yeah. But listen, I'm gonna do a slight curveball here. Um, I think when I was when I was reading up about you, I had a, a definite sense of. The fact that, like me, there's so much stuff that you've done that never saw the light of day and never got released. But, you know, obviously things that you put your heart and soul in for, for one reason or another, nobody got to hear them. So I have two questions for you. One, which is the thing that no one's heard of that you love the most, that you really wished people had heard um, and then my second part of the question was, what song do you think that you've done in Garbage Do that you think is, you know, just never got the do's, never got the big up that it should have got?
1: Ooh, I mean, I feel like there's so many of Garbage's songs that never got the the do respect just because everyone was so hung up on that first record. Yeah. Um, and I, I find it perplexing. Like, I love the first record. I'm really proud of it, but... Um, I feel like there's many, many songs we've written since that are as good as, if not more skilled and nuanced and um, more lasting in many ways. Um, So I would say almost our entire catalogue since (laughs) the first record, right? (laughs) But, but, you know, I would say that, right? I mean, I always believe in, in... what we do I mean I put I put myself in 100% into everything I ever do I don't sit and put a a song on a record that I'm like half-assed about I always feel like this is great you know (laughs) and I'm always surprised when lots of other people Yeah. yeah yeah and I'm always a bit surprised when when everybody's like well yeah you know that's okay but Isn't Stupid Girl the best thing that's ever been written in the history of rock music? I
0: think think it's the same. Every band that's been around longer than one album or two albums that were successful says the same thing. It's like, guys, open your ears. You know,
1: the new record is just as good. Well, I feel like, and I don't know how you feel, but, you know, for a woman in rock music, in alternative rock, to still be making records at 54 years old, to still be able to pull audiences all over the globe, mm. that to me shows me that we have made good records. And I don't yeah. really give a what certain people decide to write about in the press. I, yeah. I, I'm unhampered by it I feel released from it I it used to really bother me it used to hurt me it used to frustrate me and now I'm just like you know what I have an amazing career and if you want to diminish that career to and, and melt it down to one record that we made you know 25 years ago then so be it but I think the fact that my career has continued on speaks for itself
0: yeah exactly that um this um idea that you know I think um, Radiohead had this track called The Iron Lung that they, uh, which they played instead of Creep because they felt that everybody felt like Creep was the only thing they'd ever done and obviously they've done lots more stuff so they wrote a song called My Iron Lung because they kind of need that song but at the same time it's so heavy and weighs them down so I, I, yeah I think a lot of bands feel that um, you have a track called um, No Horses I think that um it's quite a recent track from 2017, and I was watching the video and reading the lyrics, and it just struck me as that song is so predictive and so relevant, lyrically and the video especially, of what is happening now. Um, would you, did you know, did you feel like I did, I guess, the rise of, kind of fascism and the rise of right wing values and white supremacy, did you, did you, was that behind that feeling of that song?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm still quite shocked that we managed to squeeze that song out and it is so incredibly prescient. It freaks me out. Even now, it kind of freaks me out. Um, And I remember understanding the sort of power of it when we went on tour with Blondie. And I said to the band that I want to start the set with No Horses. And we had just released the song and the band were like, oh, I don't know. Do you really want to do that? Like, you know, playing to to an (laughs) audience that aren't ours, um, that have never heard the song before. And I was like, I just feel it's right, you know, for the times we're in. And, you know, Donald Trump had just been elected. And I don't know what I think we were all beginning to feel that panic about Mm. the rise of this intolerance and hatred and violence and and so we would open every night on the Rage and Rapture tour with Blondie um, to to a crowd that weren't ours that had never heard the song before and we got an incredible reaction every night and I just feel like this song captured something special and I'm immensely proud of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, me too. I mean, I, 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 number one, I thought song grooves. But there's just this sense of that whole kind of period when Trump got elected and Brexit really seemed to ignite certain people in society to thinking, oh, this is going to be our time. And so that song really kind of spoke to me
1: when I when I watched it. I think people have been taught that money is God and that they must worship it in order to, to secure their future I think they've been brainwashed into thinking that mm. and, and I feel panicked about it because there's so many precious things in our culture and our societies that don't make money that I mean our NHS is a perfect example of something that is so precious but mm. isn't got a great profit margin and it panics me that everything's being valued by you know money and profit and there's some things that just can't afford to be judged that way and that is what No Horse is about mm, I totally agree I've
0: got a couple of questions for you, um, what is your lockdown silver lining, I mean I think we all um, know how hard it is around the world for everybody but given, um, I think like, like me, you're someone who tries to get the good and the best out of every situation and um, tries to do something creative in every thing that they're doing. What have you found has been the things that have really helped you? You know, your lockdown, silver linings, your positive, the positive things that have, that have kept you going.
1: <laughs> well, this isn't going to be a very like profound answer <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. I have found day drinking really helpful. <laughs> I have uh, really... Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> My other half is going to love you for that one. She oh, loves, loves a glass of wine at one o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I've enjoyed, I mean, I have a really ageing dog. And yeah. being around her 24-7 has been an enormous uh, privilege and luxury. And mm. it's also given me an extraordinary amount of time to, I'm a Virgo, so I'm like really like obsessive compulsive. My cupboards in my house are immaculate. <laughs>
0: like for once i'm a leo so i feel you i'm like (laughs) i mean i've done i've i've put cupboard like pure dividers and everything everywhere
1: (laughs) yeah see i I totally relate but yeah it's amazing that you're a leo you you even look like a leo it's that thrills me that you said that yeah
0: you're like a big
1: cat my my know? other
0: half is uh, my other half, Lady Fag. She's a Virgo, and so is my mum. So I know, I know you, I know you people. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't judge me. <laughs> I, I listen, uh, yeah, wonderful people, and we love. Them, uh, but yeah, thank but I you can skin. imagine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna end on a funny one. Um, I'm gonna give you one guess. You guess. You get one guess of this question. Which member of your band have I snogged? I know the answer to this
1: question. <laughs> oh, he did not spill the secrets. <laughs> I know the answer to this question, okay. and I—I I will, will. that that's something I shall hold on. Uh, yeah, you hold on to that in private. Right? but um i remember finding out about it and i just couldn't believe it (laughs) but um i wish it had been me you snogged i I, would be so much more delicious Um, but um, we were
0: were pretty drunk i give him that
1: (laughs) yeah 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 no i know that you had been partying a lot and you know we were all big fans of yours we were mesmerized by you you know um i mean i know this is a bit like creepy but it's true. it's really true Uh, we were really all sort of blown away by your beauty and as again i said in my instagram post a couple of months ago just your grace you have a lot of grace Uh. you know for (laughs) even though you look fierce and and you know sort of intimidating. You've, you've got this enormous amount of grace and we were all really into wow. you. <laughs> so lots of love. And I hope that I can interview you one day on my podcast. Well, let's, let, let's do that.
0: Let's do that. I would love to come on your podcast. And yeah, that would be um, I would lovely. love to answer that wonderful question that you have, because it's, I love that you thought of that because it is, there is this one song that happens to literally every person's career and band's career that changes everything. And I think that as an artist, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for something that launches you into... As you say, you know, my definition of success is a, a lifetime career, a career that, you know, garbage is still here, you know, putting out excellent, excellent music, you know, doing excellent gigs. I'm very jealous because you're touring with Blondie, who's like my reason why I started singing. That's another story. Is it really? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I saw Blondie on T- Top of Pops um, when I was 11 and she came on in a stripy dress. And I remember that was the first time I thought I want to do that. So... Wow she um, does she know that and, um, i don't think so i don't think, I think so. she'd
1: be really chuffed
0: yeah i mean she started it all for me was blondie on top of the pops and uh, i I, so I didn't want to be blondie i just wanted to do what she was doing yeah. there was just an energy around her but i thought that looks great
1: <laughs>
0: and i've I read the book faces so i know it wasn't always um, a bed of roses and that she was um, working really hard
1: but it um, never is is it no yeah, career is a bed of roses to be.
0: But I mean, yeah. I think that my definite success is what you said before, that we're still here doing this and that's what we wanted. We wanted a lifetime career. And mm. I know that lots of bands like Skunk and Nancy and lots of bands that are like, oh, now, you know, from Carano to, you know, Flots and Machine, you know, they look up at um, Garbage as a band that, that inspired them too. So I just want to get in there, in there because I think in terms of British music, I know you're mainly from, you know, America, whatever, but I think... I'm not we, from you know, America. Are you not, drunk? I, th- I mean the rest of the bloody band, not you. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I,
1: mean,
0: I, know, I know you record in America and the rest of the band in America.
1: I'm just messing with you. You're just with me, aren't you? Yeah, it's to keep <laughs> you on your toes. It's good for you. It
0: is good for me. <laughs> Any lessons I can learn from, from, uh, from Shirley Manson are always good for me.
1: I don't think you need to be learning any <laughs> lessons from me. I think you've got it all sussed out on your own. Nah, no,
0: <laughs> no. Nah. Listen, I'm going to come on your podcast and cause you a lot of trouble. So oh, that be, sounds pro- good. Be, be aware for that. And um, we're going to play a couple of tracks. I think we're going to play "No our horses. Um, and tell me what other track you would love us to play.
1: I would like you to play Star- our cover of Starman by <sighs> David Bowie. Because we did a beautiful uh, version of it and we released it, I think, last year and everybody loves it and I love it and he... You know, when you say that you saw Debbie Harry on Top of the Pops and that changed everything for you, David Bowie was the 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 weird freakazoid that sort of turned my attentions to music and to a style and to songwriting, I guess. So... Mm. Um, to to have been invited to cover, um, to do a cover of his one of his most famous songs was such a a scary thrill, and mm. we pulled it off, and and it, we did a really good version of it. So
0: great, okay, we'll play that. Um, listen, have a lovely rest of your day. Um, are you in LA or
1: Edinburgh? I'm in Edinburgh, ah, and I'm at All the right. end of my 14 day quarantine, so. I've got 24 Ooh. hours to go and then I'm free. Ah, oh, good for you, good for you. Yes. Listen, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you go. And yes, and listen, thank you so much for having me on and sincerely, lots of love and full respect to you and it's exciting to see that we both survived, that not everybody did, so. Yes, you know, yeah,
0: it's, it's great to be um, still here doing great gigs and doing lots of other stuff too. So, yeah, But big lucky. love, big love for me to you. you I'm so happy to um, talk to you. Me too you know, it's a joy. For- Let's do it again. All right darling. All right. Thank you. Shirley Manson there and if you've heard episode one of Skin Tings you will know I finally did get to tell Debbie Harry my top of the pop story. As always give Skin Tings a like, a subscribe and a nice review and do get in touch with me by tweeting at Skin Skinny. Don't forget I'm on Absolute Radio on Sunday nights 10 to 12. The shows are available on demand and on the Absolute Radio app too so you never have to miss it. In the next episode, I'll be joined by one of my favourite upcoming artists. So join me next time on Skin Tinks, where I'll be chatting to Arlo Parks.